The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And we are back for another Friday AMA Ask Me Anything episode. And thank you so much for coming back, guys. I love these episodes. I usually take the questions that you ask me every single Monday night on my personal Instagram at Adele Marie. And if you ever want them answered on the podcast, just leave a little microphone. That's the easiest way for me to kind of manage any topic requests rather than getting through my DMs because I get quite a few, but I love it. I get to give you my hot take on things, my unsolicited advice. Well, you're asking for my advice, so it's not really unsolicited, but obviously I have to say it goes without saying this show is not a replacement for professional mental health help or support. If you do need that, please check the show notes and happy July, happy Friday, happy first week of July. What the hell? Where is you going? I don't bloody know, but it is flying by. We're going to jump straight into the show. Question number one is how to navigate when my partner wants to spend less time with me than I do. And I really wished that I had some more context here because immediately I just like felt a bit sad reading it for the writer. But then I was like, I don't know how much time you already spent together. I also don't know the current dynamic of your relationship. I don't know how long you've been together. I don't know what season of the relationship you guys are in. I also don't want to come on and say, well, this means that you're doomed because it's a massive red flag because your partner doesn't want to spend time with you. But what I would recommend you doing is looking at the current dynamic and actually assessing if this is a positive or negative thing for your relationship. I can't obviously do that without the context, but maybe you have a very healthy relationship and your partner's just requesting some time out for some me time. That's okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Or maybe you have a partner who constantly dismisses your needs and who doesn't want to spend any time with you and who doesn't want to look after you or treat you in the way that you deserve. And so I think what matters is that first. And I would really love for you to look at that. And I'm going to try and obviously give you some guidance on what I would do if I was in your situation, given either side. Okay. Now, if your partner is not prioritizing you or the relationship or not giving you what you need, that's not necessarily always a bad thing or an immediate red flag. I think relationships are about communication and compromise. Hopefully you can ask for what you need and you can get to a better position. As I said, If this is a concern for you and you have raised it multiple times and your partner has not made any effort to change or has no willingness to try or to do better or your partner has told you that they are not going to do that for you or your partner has told you that they're not interested in trying for you or they're not willing, in that circumstance, I'm going to say it's perfectly acceptable to walk away and call it quits. Obviously, I'm going to give you advice for the other side now, but It's okay to leave a relationship when your needs are not being met, especially if you feel like you're being continually neglected. Obviously, if it's not that deep and not that severe and not that bad and your partner is just requesting space because or is wanting to spend less time with you for either 
healthy me time or some time out to work on their own hobbies or things like that, then I think that is okay. But what I recommend is talking about it and just raising the concern and raising the worry. And I always say this whenever you want to have a conversation, asking for something from someone, pick the right time. Timing has a lot to do with it. And use language that has the vulnerability or accountability on you. And what I mean by that is lots of I statements saying things like, hey, I really love your company, but I've noticed that we haven't been spending much time together and I've been missing you and I would love it if we can hang out some more in the next coming weeks. Or I've really been missing time with you over the weekends because I haven't seen you that much recently. I would love to hang out with you next Friday night or this coming weekend. Could we do this or X, Y, Z? Or you can even be super vulnerable and say, I've been feeling so lonely. I love you. I adore you. And I would love to spend some more quality time together because that's really important to me and makes me feel loved. Use that language instead of the opposite, which is (laughs) things like, you never spend time with me. You never put me first. You don't love me because you don't spend time with me. Even if you hear that difference in the language, you can see that they feel very different the first few statements versus those last few. And I say the way that you have the conversation is so important because that can also help you get your needs met more efficiently, more quickly as well. And it's just important to keep that conversation kind without attacking and almost sending the other partner into like defensiveness. Through this conversation, it's going to be a really good opportunity, hopefully, for your partner to have have a conversation back with you to say, Maybe they've got stuff going on. Maybe they're super stressed at work. Maybe they've got family pressures that they're worried about. Maybe they've got, I don't know, financial pressures that they're worried about. Maybe you guys are just in a different season of the relationship. I know a lot of people might relate when you go through like that first stage of the relationship, almost that honeymoon phase. You're wanting to see each other a lot. You're wanting to hang out quite a bit. Sometimes once you move past that, it does take effort. It does take time. It does mean that you both have to choose a relationship day in, day out. The conversation is key, okay? Because what this will show you is, and I'm even more interested in basically if your partner allows you to have that conversation, because I think a lot can be said if they react poorly to that or they don't want to give you the time of day, that could also be a red flag in itself. And The conversation is also important because you have to ask for what you want. And I think a lot of the time we just expect our partners or we expect people in our lives to know what we want. We want them to be mind readers. I wish that was the case, but unfortunately it's not. So don't be afraid to ask for what you want and don't be afraid to be really clear in your requests. So after you've had this conversation or while you're having this conversation, does it look like proposing some date ideas, right? Maybe your partner and you have some common interests. Can you do that? Maybe your partner has some hobbies that they really enjoy. Can you maybe take that up or maybe see if you can dip your toes in and come along the next time your partner's doing that? See if you can start to integrate into different dates or things that they enjoy doing. Maybe it's something super low key. Maybe you want to put on their favorite movie and have like a cheese platter or something like that instead. And I really recommend that it's something that they enjoy, especially if they're going through it a little bit at the moment or they're feeling super stressed. And the reason that I say to like propose ideas is just to be specific because again, it also takes some of that thought process out and just helps the conversation run a little bit more smoother too. Obviously, I don't know what interests or hobbies your specific partner has, but 
ultimately, I just want you guys to try and meet in the middle because what I feel when I read this question is you're not having your needs met and I don't know why, but hopefully you guys can compromise and come to a point where you can hopefully see your partner a little bit more with that quality time that means a lot for you and your partner can step up and try to meet those needs. Now, I will say, give your partner time to change their behavior or to step up and do this and make some more effort. You might even have to have the conversation a few times. I'm not opposed to having a conversation a few times, but I do think there is a point where you ask your partner to do something and then they don't do it. It's like, how many times do you have to ask before they realize that it's important to you? It is okay to communicate this. It is so fine to ask for what you want, but just be really mindful if your partner is not giving you anything in return. Aside from that, I obviously really recommend putting yourself first as well. We spoke about codependency a couple AMA episodes back. I can't remember what number it was, but pour into you, pour into your hobbies, spend some time on your own self-love and your own self-care too, because that's really important. And it's nice to water both the relationship with your partner, but also the relationship with yourself as well. Good luck. Question number two, massive change of pace, but it is, can you talk about your experience with the oral contraceptive pill? And yes, I definitely can. This question has come up so much every single week and I was very hesitant to put it in because firstly, talk to your doctor, (laughs) definitely talk to your doctor just because I'm on the pill or I'm about to talk about my experience with it doesn't mean that you need to go on it, doesn't mean that it's the right thing for you. For those listening who don't know what the pill is, it's an oral tablet that you take daily. It can help prevent pregnancy. It's not 100% accurate though, so just be, be careful with that. And it can also make your period lighter, make your period less painful, and make it more regular. Now, I was so scared to talk about it because... The pill gets a bad rap. (laughs) I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but as someone who's on the pill, I always see things about how it's terrible for you and X, Y, Z. And for me right now, it's definitely working for the phase of life that I'm in. It serves me and I'm on one that I think is like the lowest side effects and works for my lifestyle, but it wasn't always the case. And I'll tell you my pill journey. But it basically starts back when I'm like, what, 17-ish, I think. Yeah, I got my period super young. I was 12 when I got my period. And it was very heavy. It was very painful. And it was very long. Like I'm talking not a seven-day cycle. I'm talking like a nine, 10-day cycle. No one wants to have a period for 10 days of the month. Let me just tell you that. I definitely didn't. And so I went to the doctor with my mom. And immediately (laughs) the doctor just chucked me on a pill. At that time, I was 17 years old. I had no idea about my own body. I had no idea how to articulate what I wanted or what I needed. I was very, I was lacking a lot of self-awareness and I feel like that pill was a terrible one because it definitely made me very crazy and gave me some serious mental health side effects, but I didn't know how to talk about this to anyone or to my doctor. I just took it because that's what they gave me. And it wasn't until I was maybe in my early 20s, say like 20, 21, I think that I tried a different pill. That one that I changed to was better suited for me. It had less side effects. And I think it had to do with the dosages of whatever is in each pill. I'm not obviously going to go into detail. I'm not a doctor. As I said, talk to your doctor. But then it was really interesting when I tried to come off the pill when I was, I think, 23 or 24, I had just moved to Sydney. I wasn't dating anybody. And I thought, you know, I've seen all this stuff online. I've seen how bad the pill can be for you. Maybe I'll try and come off it. 
And so I tried to come off it and I lost my period for a really long time, almost like seven or eight months. I also don't know if I lost it due to putting my body under stress, other forms of stress, whether it was like things like partying or powerlifting or doing other stuff to my body. And so when it finally came back, it was the same period I had when I was 17, really heavy, really long, really painful. And I was like, fuck this. I can't. Like, I just, I don't want to deal with it anymore. So I went back on the pill. You could say that I was like band-aiding it for whatever reason. And then I had been on that pill literally right up until about four months ago and it was serving me. But what happened was it had just stopped working and I was taking the pill. But what was happening is I was still getting my period that week of like the sugar pills. But then two weeks later, I was having like breakthrough bleeding and like spotting. And so I went back to the doctor and I was like, look, I need to change this pill because it's not working. And at the same time, I was kind of flirting with the idea of looking into the marina and Keep in mind that I had also gone to like a gynecologist for other issues with like pap smears and my ovaries back when I was like 27, 28. I also asked for her opinion about, is the pill really that bad? And she more or less said to me, unless you're planning to have kids, if it's working for you, it's working for you. You can stay on it. And so when I went back to the doctor four months ago, I just made the choice to stay on it because I'm nowhere near (laughs) ready to contemplate having children. I don't even know if I want children. And so... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. The pill I'm on now is quite good. They did have to change the dosage because according to my doctor, now that I'm over 30, I'm older and I need a different dosage of pill because the one I was on just stopped working. And it's been four months that I've been on it. I just started like the next packet. I think it's okay. I don't think it's affecting me too badly mentally. My period is a lot lighter. It's less painful. I still definitely get... PMS symptoms, not as bad as what I do when I'm off the pill though. I almost feel like when I'm on the pill, I'm just more balanced. It's not so like up and down, my mood anyway. And I'm enjoying it right now. It's serving me. And I think if for whatever reason I ever want to come off it, I might explore potentially the marina. I've heard very good things about that. I just think the thought of something foreign being in me (laughs) scared me a little bit. And Obviously, your own period, your own cycle, your own situation is so personal and finding what works for you is going to be the best possible thing. And the other thing I just want to mention while we're on this topic is if you have ovaries or you get a period or there's something wrong, whether you're missing your period, whether it's really heavy, really painful, or you're not happy with like your current contraception or your current period management, speak to your GP actually advocate for yourself and speak up if something is not working. If your pill is giving you really bad side effects, talk to your doctor. You don't have to stay on it. There are other options out there that can potentially help you more. If you are wanting to come off it for whatever reason, whether it's to have children or maybe you want to change to a different form of contraception or period management, that's okay. But what I want to say is don't stop advocating for yourself because I notice even with myself, we can definitely get dismissed at the doctors. We can be told, oh no, don't worry about that. One doctor will tell you, oh, you're too young to worry about having kids. The next one will tell you, oh, you're too old. You better start worrying about them now. I've also had friends that have taken years to get diagnosed with endometriosis or PCOS or even PMDD. I actually think I have that by the way, but I need to go back to my doctor to start that process as well. I know that we cannot be taken seriously at the doctor, but I think 
if your cycle is impacting you in a way that is, you know, impacting your ability to just live a regular life, chase it up, go to the doctor, keep pushing. You can also explore an avenue down like a naturopath and see if there's a way to go down like a natural path while also combining like Western medicine. I am a science-based girly though, so my preference is always like the GP, but maybe one day down the track, I might have to explore that other path as well. It is also a bit of trial and error too. So it is a process. Don't be put off by that. It took me almost what, 10 years to find a pill that has like served me and works well. And now that I'm like, okay with it, I'm like, fuck, I don't feel like changing anything again. So it's very personal, but good luck to whoever is out there listening that can relate to this question. I know it can be super hard to navigate. As I said, the best place to start though is talking to your doctor. Okay. All right. Question number three, what tips do you have to pinpoint when a guy is leading you on? I was just led on by a guy for the last five months. And I'm so sorry to this listener. It can be really hard to feel like you have been led on. And I'm going to assume from your question that you might be feeling a little bit of pain and a little bit of hurt. And I'm really sorry that you had to experience that. It can be tricky. And I think dating can be rough. The cycle can be a really hard thing to navigate. I'm going to hopefully give you some advice moving forward. And before I do that, I just want to touch on the led on part of this question, because I feel like there's something to say about that. Sometimes I feel like that feeling of being led on is really just either a lack of expectations communicated or a mismatch of expectations communicated when you first start dating somebody. And this is why I will harp on about it until I die. You have to date with intention. You have to be upfront and clear about what you're looking for and hopefully find out from the people that you're dating what they're looking for too so you can hopefully avoid getting yourself into situations like this down the track. And It's why I always say it's important, so important to know what you do want and what you don't want because then you can say no to anything that is not what you want, right? And it is vital to set your expectations earlier rather than later and also not to settle for less so that you can potentially save yourself from that feeling of being led on. I would also love for you to look at it from a different perspective. Instead of looking at it like, oh, I was led on, How about we frame it up like I was dating somebody and it went for five months, but it didn't work out the way that I wanted, but here are some things that I can take away from it. This person taught me how I don't like when they do this, or this person taught me how I really like when a potential partner does this. What lessons can you take away from it? I would love for you to do that reflection, but I am super mindful that if this is fresh and raw, you're not going to be able to do that because I think you have to let kind of the emotions pass through and move before you can look back with that reflective kind of mind or those reflective eyes. I also have no idea because I don't have context of how long you've been out of this dynamic. And what I would say is when you do feel ready, when a lot of that pain or that anger or that initial hurt has passed 
and you can start to look back with that reflection, definitely do it. Get out a journal. Write down all the things you loved about it. Write down all the things you disliked about it. Write down all the things you want next time. Write down all the things you don't want next time. Try to look at it from that logical kind of data point of view. Now, moving forward, I am going to give you my top three signs. You can borrow these and I'm going to say, I feel like I'm an expert at this now. I'm getting much better at spotting these time wasters earlier on. I was never very good at it back in the day, but I'm better at it now. And just so you know, these signs that I'm going to give you, you you need to know what you want first. Okay. You need to have a very clear idea of what you want from dating. You need to have very clear intentions. You need to have clear intentions about what you want, what you don't want, and your own values before you can get to this point. So if you haven't done that, get clear on that before you come back and take note of the rest of this question for this episode. So the first red flag of warning sign is that they are not actually interested in you. And I know you're thinking, how can they be not interested in me? They're taking me out on dates. He's sending me good morning texts every day. That is bare minimum, what I'm talking about is if they really know you, okay? Do they know your values? Do they know what you're looking for? Do they know what you're interested in? Do they know your passions? Do they know what you're working on at the moment? Do they know what's important to you in life? They can be physically there for you, but are they really there for you is what I'm trying to say. The next sign is they have questionable behavior and this behavior is Almost that behavior that can sometimes feel a bit like that chasing, that game playing behavior, that is not a good thing. We don't want that, (laughs) all right? Game playing, leaving you feeling confused in any way, shape or form, wondering if he likes you, that's not the vibe we're going for. If you are wondering if he likes you and you are not sure about it and he's not making it clear, that is a questionable bit of behavior for me. They may also say things to you that you want to hear, but they might not actually mean them or they might not take the action. So they might say something and then their actions might be totally different. They could also be very hot and cold with you. And that could be either in public versus in private, over text messages. And they could also be very flaky with canceling plans, taking a long time to get back to you, not keeping their promises. You will notice that they almost want to keep you at an arm's length so they don't let the relationship or the situation get any deeper because they're wanting to keep you away from getting too close to them. They also may not make an effort to integrate you into their life, whether it's meeting their friends or meeting their family. After five months, and I don't want to give timelines, but after five months, you would hope maybe you've met each other's family. That's a pretty long period of time in my mind. And if I'm thinking about anyone that I'm dating at the six month mark, I would hopefully want to know that we are moving into this next chapter, that we are going to integrate into each other's lives. Hopefully they've met my family. Hopefully I've met theirs. And if they're not doing that, again, keeping you at arm's length by not doing that, that is a warning sign. And then lastly, they cannot discuss the future or what they want. And they will dodge all the questions about the future. They will not be able to sit there and say to you, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want and not be able to give you that clarity or even have the conversation. They will deflect. They may get defensive. They may tell you things like, oh, I just can't think that far ahead. I'm just living in the now. I just want to see how things go. My favorite one, I just want to go with the flow. (laughs) Okay. 
Dodging questions about the future, about commitment, about the relationship is a warning sign that potentially you guys are not aligned or not right for each other. They may also shut you down if you try to bring it up or, as I said, tell you the other things that we just went through. Obviously, there are so many more signs that I could go through. Could do a whole podcast episode on this topic and I might just. But the last point I want to make is trust your gut. And this is something that I continue to learn whenever I start dating somebody. You will have these little warning signs and I should do a podcast episode on like your intuition. I think I need to make a note of that because I've wanted to do an episode on that for a long time. But you will have these gut instincts that happen or these little urges or these little feelings that'll be like, hmm, that's probably not that right or that's not sitting well with me or maybe this is a little bit of a not an ick, but maybe this is a little bit of a concern. And this is why I love journaling because what I do whenever I'm dating someone new, if there are like concerning behaviors that I'm seeing, I will write it down, not to keep track of them. But the reason I write it down is because, and some some of you might relate, once I start liking somebody, I almost get blinded with these like blinding glasses to like all their bad shit and all their red flags. But if I can write it down and see that maybe this person isn't on this pedestal or I shouldn't be holding them on this pedestal because they're actually doing X, Y, Z to me as well, can just help me stay a little bit more logical, a little bit more balanced in the situation too. Trust your intuition, trust your gut instinct, you will know. And don't be afraid to walk away sooner rather than later because the worst thing you can do is wait and hang on to someone's potential and hope that they will change and meet you where you are but they may just be wasting your time and keeping you from meeting the right person who's out there waiting for you as well. Good luck. I would love for a post to be started in the Facebook group if anyone else wants to share their signs for when someone is potentially leading you on and yeah, we can just learn off each other. My last question and a change of pace here, but it's a career one. And it is, Adele, what is your advice on workplace bullying? I'm on the verge of quitting, but I love my job. This makes me so sad for this listener. I don't believe that bullying is acceptable and I think you don't deserve it. It's fucking terrible and it shouldn't be happening to you. It's horrible. And I feel like we talk about school bullying and young bullying a lot more than what we talk about bullying in the workplace or bullying as an adult but it still fucking happens and you would think that it doesn't but it still does and it drives me insane because it shouldn't be happening we go to work on average most of us will work full-time in our lives 40 hours plus a week your workplace should be one where you feel safe your workplace should be one where you feel like you want to go to work where you feel supported where you feel that sense of community and feeling like you belong And healthy workplace environments are so important. It does meet some of our like basic human needs. And the opposite of that can actually have such a severe impact on your mental health and your day-to-day function and can really bring down your self-esteem and can really bring down your mental health. Now, I'm going to put a link into the notes if you're experiencing this. Please check the notes. Obviously, the best thing and what I would recommend you doing is taking action straight away talking to somebody you trust, whether that is a teammate, a manager, HR, maybe a friend, if you can't speak to anybody at work, your partner, your family, you need to tell someone what is going on. If you also are in therapy, 
a psychologist or a counselor could be handy too, but someone you trust and feel safe with so that you can get the next steps and have that support to navigate the next steps. Communicate what is going on. And if you can, keep note of the bullying too, because I really recommend either filing or making a formal complaint. And a lot of the research that I did for this part of the episode, a lot of the research said, confront the person. I know that that is not always the safest option. And I know that you might not feel comfortable to do that. So if you feel comfortable, you could potentially do that by telling them their behavior is unacceptable and that it needs to stop and that you're not tolerating it. But if you are too scared to have that conversation, if you can't have that conversation, if you don't feel safe to have that conversation, you don't have to have it. You can talk to HR, talk to another supervisor, talk to your manager's manager, whoever you need to speak to and raise a formal complaint. Most workplaces should have hopefully HR. I have worked at some places that haven't had HR, but most places should have HR. They should have a workplace bullying policy as well. And I know that most workplaces would have like a zero tolerance for it. And so make that report, take that action. I know that it may be scary to do that, but it is really important that you do stand up for yourself because we have to stop that behavior. Okay. And obviously it goes without saying, make sure that you are getting other support through this as well, because it can be very, very uncomfortable, very hard to navigate, very challenging. So whether you're getting support from a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, the EAP that your employer may have, not every employer has an EAP service, but some of them do. And even chatting to your GP to get onto a mental health care plan. Do you know that you can go to your GP and get stress leave if you are feeling stressed from your work and they can actually give you a week off and that can go to sick leave or whatever else it is that you can then have a certificate to take a break while it's getting sorted out. Look after yourself. Your health comes first. I can't stress that enough. I also want to say that if you want to quit, you can. Obviously, In a perfect world, you don't quit. The person stops their behavior and you can hopefully move forward and get back to feeling good at work. But if you need to resign, if it has pushed you to that extreme and you can't function and you don't want to go to work and you have lost that love for it, it is okay to quit. There are so many jobs out there. There are so many employees out there who have a better workplace environment. There are definitely employers that don't have workplace bullying and there could be another option for you down that path. Obviously, I'm sending you so much love. Please check the notes. Please chat to somebody. I hope that you're okay. If anyone wants to come into the group and talk about their experience with it, it's not something I've ever personally experienced myself, but I can imagine it would be really difficult. So we are sending this listener lots of love and we hope that you'll be all right. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap the show here. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this show, please tell someone you love about it. Word of mouth goes a long way. Please give us a review on Apple, a rating on Spotify. If you love the podcast, give us five stars. That helps me out a lot. And if you're not already, follow us on Instagram, your safe space pod. Follow me at Adele Marie. And please, please, please join the Facebook community. I will see you guys next time. Our episode on Sunday will be with Nathan, the builder, talking about my renovation and answering your Renault questions and it is a long one and it's a good one and I can't wait for you to hear it. All right, I'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye.